0: Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com.
1: Hi, this is Celia Cutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Today is Tuesday, March 24th, 2015, and we were talking about malt in New York State. We have some experts, Adamo Filippetti from... Pioneer Malting Upstate, Chris Bala from the Mile End Deli, he's a a beverage manager, and Chris Sheehan, who's a great brewer up at uh, Gun Hill Brewing in the Bronx. So welcome to the show. Beer Sessions Radio is brought to you by Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. If you have questions for our guests today, you can live tweet us at beer underscore sessions. Maggie's there live tweeting, and she'll be taking photos uh, throughout the show. So this is a cool show. We've been waiting for this for a while. You know, we've been talking about... The need for malt facilities in New York State. We're going to be joined later in the show by Andrea Stanley, who's calling in from Massachusetts, where they've 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 been uh, malting a lot of New York grains for a few years at Valley Malt. So, Adam, welcome to the show, man. I know we, you, we've anime. sat in on this. Uh, there's a the governor's New York State New York Craft uh, Working Group that we've been on, but uh, just tell us how you got into making malt. Give us a little backstory. Sure, absolutely. I started <clears throat> as a home brewer. Um, maybe 15
3: or 20 years ago, um, really uh, malting my own grains in the basement, um, growing my hops out in the backyard. And that's how it kind of developed into what it is today. So uh, my brother and I actually got into some hobby farming about six or seven years ago on some land that we own, and we started growing uh, malting barley. And in conjunction with another friend uh, locally, we... uh, Got into malting professionally. So like,
2: Where are you guys? What town?
3: We are located in Rochester, New York.
2: Okay. Yep. And what's the name of your company? It's
3: Pioneer Malting Incorporated. Pioneer Malting. That's right.
2: So, Chris, I mean, you're, you're here, the brewer from Gun You're buying malt all the time. I mean, have you made any beers with uh, New York State malt?
4: Uh, as a matter of fact, I brought one of them with me. I have the uh, Ruby Ride that I made with uh, malt from uh, Valley. And uh, that was part of the New York uh, Brewers Guild smash project where it was state malts and state hops that were implemented. Um, This actually is the first brew that I've made with 100% New York malts. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised at how well the malts performed and the kind of character I developed in it. Uh, In fact, I'm even a little disappointed with the New York hops. The malts have been (laughs) shining beautifully. The hops Mm -hmm. have been a little disappointing.
2: Well, you know, for many of our listeners, the last couple of years, we've been talking about malt, the need for malt facilities. With our event for Beer Week, the New York City Brewer's Choice, the last two years, we've uh, cl- collaborated and, uh, you know, different New York brewers have made beers with New York State malt. So there's a little backstory, but, you know, this is, this is the exciting part is that, is that, you know, for a couple of years, the only way to get malt locally was from Valley Malt in Massachusetts. Right. And now you guys have opened up. So just tell us what, what you had to go through to open a malt facility. we know there's a need for it.
3: Absolutely. And we we saw the need a few years ago uh, when we started getting involved with growing the uh, malting barley. Uh, Essentially, we had to allocate some industrial space. And the equipment for for the malting process is not something that's just you can pick up on a store shelf. Uh, A lot of that is hand-fabricated. We had to do it ourselves. A lot of trial and error. A lot of uh, difficult... (laughs) times pushing through the development of that machinery and how it functions and so yeah it's it's been quite a road over the past uh, year and a month now
2: so you guys are up in Rochester where are you getting your grains from
3: we have about 7 uh, or 8 contracted farmers who grow for us uh, some local some within i'd say everybody's within about 60 miles of Rochester
2: and then Chris was asking earlier, you know, we talk about things like a grain bill and, and, and the different varieties of barley and other grains. I mean, what, what grains are you actually buying and yep. turn into malt?
3: Sure. We're purchasing a whole variety of grains. Um, your standard two-row and six-row barleys, um, the, the two-row is a little bit more difficult to grow in New York State just because the uh, the barley plant in general, very temperamental. Um,
4: Susceptible to disease.
3: And- yes, absolutely. So it's right. it really it's finding the the right farmers uh, who know their soil conditions, um, and know the the growing process with malting barley because it's it's a difficult task. Uh, right. Above and beyond the malting barley's, we source um, New York State rye, we source wheat, uh, oats, and um, that's about it. Currently. That's currently what we yeah. have on our, on our All shelf. All multiple grains. All multiple grains. Mm-hmm. Buckwheat <laughs> would be another one. Right. Um, I actually I brought up a, um, a smash beer that I did with a local company, the Lost Borough Brewing Company. Uh, so that's 100% of our malt and 100% uh, local hops. And I also brought in a, um, a beer fro- that, that we did with Anthony at Transmitter. Which uh, features our base malt and our malted oat.
2: Well, let's get those. We're, we're going to open those up. And, and Chris Bala, you, you're a great you know beer expert in the city. Thank you. John. You worked at BeerCraft, and you're the beverage manager with the Mile End Group. You know, f- for you as a you're a consumer and a, an expert, what does malt mean to you? And is, is there any? We brought some beers today. We're trying to express you know what malt is. And I asked,
5: I actually put it on Facebook yesterday, I said what's an iconic malt profile? And Nobody answered me. It's it's kind of mysterious. Uh, I feel like, I, I was telling you earlier, I feel like malt is often forgotten, you know? And I feel like I'm you know, I'm a pretty young person as far as the craft beer movement goes, but I feel like, you know, those who got into it maybe 20 years ago, malt was really kind of the most important thing, you know? I feel like it started with malt, you know, when this thing came back around because we were getting out of, you know, brewing something other than a light lager or all that. Um, but I feel like today, you know... The average craft beer consumer doesn't really think about malt too much, as other than the color of the beer they're drinking. So, for me, malt means a lot. I mean, it's I'm I'm very into malty beers. You know, uh, it's I drink them all the time. Uh, I definitely consider it, but it's still kind of a mystery to me, especially as as far as how a malt bill is created for a beer. Um, and just in the same way that you know wines are blended with different grapes and different. Crops of that, I feel like that's sort of the the analog in beer is the use of, of grain. So. Chris, what, what's the first beer you paired for us? Uh, we're drinking. What are we drinking? Conrad. This, this is a Conrad. Like uh, a Meritzen, Czech, I yeah, call it
2: Czech malty lager. It, it is multi. Yeah, <laughs>
5: but this is yeah. This is. I mean, we have a bunch of old world things in addition to these local beers we're drinking. But uh, I feel like looking at Germany and England is probably the best way to kind of explore the the history um, of you know the grain and you know really just looking at beer as this product of a, a growing season and growing cycle and like that kind of craft of also just the art of malting barley um, so yeah i'm happy we have
4: all reason to it itself. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly
2: absolutely. so like for, between adamo and critt and Christian, so this Conrad, it's 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 a to me it's like a malty lager right yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and you know what in general if you were making that beer What kind of malts would
4: you use? For a typically you would be using Munich malts, uh, a lot of them. In some cases, some brewers might use 100% Munich malt as a base to really build up the character, uh, the malt profile. Uh, Sometimes some brewers might throw a little caramel malt in there, but... uh, typically that's not traditional it's uh ordinarily uh the emphasis would be on munich malts and there are different kinds of munich malts it can be darker munich malts or paler munich malts
2: what about for you adam i mean you're 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 a home brewery now you're making malts do you could you make malts in new york state that you could make a beer like this with
3: sure absolutely yeah yeah and we're doing it now uh and i think that um that's the misconception right now at least in in my head that uh you know that we're not making great beer with uh, with New York State grains, and, and uh, Rochester specifically has exploded onto the scene, and uh, the brewers there are doing a great job in terms of using the grains and making great beers with them. So yeah, absolutely. let's let's
2: get one of the beers that you brought uh, next, yep. and then again, you're up in Rochester, you're working with the farmers up there. So let's just say this Amber Martin style. Somebody want to make that beer? Mm-hmm. What? How would you construct a grain bill? Would you construct a grain bill f- for them or would the, the brewer well, construct Well, I it?
3: mean, that's something that, that we've started with from day one is our, our, our policy or our, our um, mission is, you know, malt to order batches. So um, we want the brewers to come to us with specific needs. You know, Chris mentioned uh, Munich's and the various stages that you can get Munich's at. And that's something that we want to offer to our customers is real, really unique product that is, you know, you can't get it anywhere else, and you can truly make a unique product
4: yeah. for yourself. And uh, I haven't, unfortunately, I haven't worked with any of your malt yet, but mm-hmm. I will be in the future. Uh, but with Valley Malt, they had a Vienna malt, which is relatively similar to a Munich malt. And uh, that was one of the ingredients with this uh, uh, rye that I brought along here.
2: Great. You well, we want to pop that and we'll taste it? And we can t- sure. and Tell us about your experience with Valley Malt. Uh, I also want to point out again, I've, I've brought it on the show a couple of times. There's a great book, Malt, A Practical Guide from Field to Brewhouse by John Mallett. And it's very technical and it's really geared for brewers, I think and we will have them on the show at some point. But there are a couple of points in here. Uh, It says, like stock creates the base of every great soup. Malt provides several key attributes that define beer as we know it, including color, flavor, body, and eventually through fermentation, alcohol. And that's a pretty good introduction. I'm not going to get into the technical stuff. But, Chris, we were talking earlier. So you said that that barley is changing for you over the years. You've been brewing for over 20 years.
4: Well, yeah. I mean, mainly what I'm talking about is the uh, different – types of barley that are being grown by the farmers. Um, and, uh, I remember back in the nineties, uh, in uh, early nineties, when I first started working in the trade, it was mainly, uh, uh, clodges and Harrington, uh, that were like the dominant, uh, strains that were being used now. And, you know, it was funny because, uh, I kind of wasn't paying close attention for a few years there, but recently I was reading a crop report on what's going on up in Canada and the uh, North America with the barley crop, and they're talking about all these different strains of barley I'd never even heard of before. So it, it just shows you how rapidly they're constantly developing new strains, always seeking uh, disease, disease resistance, uh, low protein levels, uh, you know, they're trying to develop the barleys that work best for brewers that are also good for the farmers. So really, when we're talking about malt,
2: it's like grapes for wine, right? Yeah, it's like, And it's about growing yeah, and that's agriculture. That's the
4: source of sugar that ultimately makes the beer happen. I mean, without the barley, you don't have beer.
2: Agreed. Uh, no. <laughs> you got to talk more. I can tell you it's from upstate; he's it's, it's quiet. And, oh, yeah! I think you really just want to talk about like the repair you did on the uh, yeah something today. So what? Like t- typical day up there uh, when first Christmas is great. The, it's the ruby red. Yeah, it's delicious. And we're gonna have oh, Andrew okay. Stanley's gonna call in, in the second segment, and we'll talk more about that beer. But so, like, what's your typical day in, in the malt facility?
3: Sure. So we're we're uh, basically a a one ton malting system. So we're Essentially, doing two thousand pounds a batch, uh, so a typical day would involve uh, the the steep in process, basically getting uh, you know two thousand pounds of barley underwater, and uh, we're bringing that moisture up you know from about 11 percent uh, what we store it at to about 40%, 45 percent over a two day period. Um, if we're not steeping in, then we're casting grain, meaning we're we're spreading the grain over onto the floor in a temperature and humidity controlled environment, and we're starting the germination process. Um, and if again, if we're not casting grain, then we're loading uh, our kilns and we're drying the the grains to our customer specific needs.
2: And then, did you did you have a hand in building equipment in your facility, or just buy everything outright?
3: Yeah, unfortunately, the the systems that are out there that you can buy outright are. Well they're off the charts in terms of pricing. So this uh basically was fabricated just from scratch.
2: And you did everything.
3: So you have, <laughs> well, have the partners uh, uh, you guys all work at the malt facility? Currently, yeah, we we all have a hand in it, uh but currently I run the facility on a day to day basis. But so what
2: what what things come up? Like, you know and you probably know Chris too. I mean you're getting in. You the want screen.
0: the horror stories. I, I want to hear this from <laughs> soup to nuts. What you do? Well, here's here's one.
3: You know, one horror story is uh, you know you receive a, a batch of barley from a farmer and uh, it's not germinating well. Um, right. And so there, that uh, if it's not germinating, then you're not making a, a malt. You're not making good quality malt. What do you do? So what do you Throw do? Throw it in the <laughs> roaster and make black malt. That's right. <laughs> you can roast it. Uh, you can yeah. bring bring or it down. Or black
4: barley, or roasted barley, or whatever, something like that.
3: Yeah. So there's uh, it's that's
4: uh, your escape route. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. Well, there's always you know you got to bring the the the, te- the humidity or the uh, moisture content back down. Right. It can always go towards you know a distilled product if needed. Right. Uh, yes.
4: There's always. That. That's kind
2: of your backup.
3: Well, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I, I hate to refer to it as a backup because our distillers are always seeking specific, you know, um, specific malt. Uh, I don't right. like to refer to it that you know. If you can't use it for beer, well, then you just make make a spirit out of out of it. That's that's not necessarily true. We have uh, a lot of distillers, some locally here in uh, in the Bronx, that has specific requirements, and uh, you have to you have to meet those requirements. Uh, So, for a distiller, uh, you're usually that's more towards a higher protein barley, which is not what a brewer would typically want.
4: Right, Right. definitely. All right, this is a
2: good show. We're going somewhere talking about New York malt. I'm I'm over my head, but I'm learning something. (laughs) We'll be
0: back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. In 1996, L. Knife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Hey,
2: welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're having a great show. Uh, we, we're, we're drinking beer. We started with a typical malt profile beer, uh, Conrad Amber Mertzen from Czech. And now we're getting digging into some local New York beers with Chris Sheehan from Gun Hill Brewing. Chris, this Ruby Red, I love it. And so you made it with uh, some malt from Valley Malt in Massachusetts, right?
4: Yes, uh, they uh, you know with this whole smash brew project for New York Beer Week, all the uh, participating brewers in the guild uh, brew basically voted on a selection of malts from Valley Malt to select three different malts and then uh, and then three different hops as well, and so everybody made a beer of any given style with the basic ingredients, but the malts that were selected from Valley Malt were uh, pale malt. A Vienna malt and what they call Danko Amber Rye. It's uh, uh, a dark roasted rye. Um, I actually kind of by default cheated a little bit. I went out of the box because I also use some regular malted rye from uh, Valley Malt as well. But uh, that you was cheated, just, Chris. Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> At a, least you told us it was a result of lack of availability. So you know, I if, actually if you
2: actually, cheat and you tell, it's yeah. okay.
4: <laughs> well, I used four different malts instead of three. So you know, everybody was supposed to only use three. I used it's
2: a nice different. beer. Yeah, it's really. Nice is, is Andrea on the line? Not yet. She's coming on soon. But uh, let's talk about this beer. What do you think? It's it's nice. It's a little hoppy. it's ruby red i
4: put a fair amount of hops in there but the uh you i mean the new york state hops tend to be uh you know they're not as assertive as the hops growing up in the pacific northwest um i think uh maybe in time as they develop and maybe as farmers learn different techniques about how to treat their soil and whatnot maybe it'll come along better but thus far i've been growing hops myself for many years up in upstate new york and uh you know, I like the unique and distinctive, earthy character that you get from uh, the hops that I use, but ultimately, I've never really been impressed even with my own hops, uh, as far as the actual aromatics and the character. What impressed me was the kind of multi-character that we're getting in this beer. It's like a very pleasant surprise. I went in a little apprehensive, not sure how the barley, uh, how the malts were going to perform for me. Of course, even brewing a rye beer is a little stressful for any brewer because rye is a different grain to work with, uh, a difficult grain to work with. Uh, You are at risk to have a stuck mash if you work uh, with, percentage is greater than 20 percent and even 20 percent can be very problematic can make for a very long brew day
2: that gets intense chris at, at one at the i want to call it the one mile house at the mile, end, <laughs> the mile end yeah um did you get any of these smash beers in at all during beer uh, well, we
5: don't have a, a draft draft system unfortunately but i was at, at brewer's choice this year um, which was a blast
2: and what do you think about uh, Chris's uh, Ruby Red I think it's delicious New York beer
5: no I think it's I mean especially talking about malt I think it's I think I'm in full agreement about the quality I'll of, tell you my, my,
2: head over beer. heels my, my in 2015 my favorite beers that I drank in New York City were the smash beers where they, where they made near, all New York mm-hmm. ingredients so cheers to you guys yeah you know and Adamo so um, I wanted to ask you this so you know you're, you're a maltster now, but one of your jobs is you're trying to sell malt to breweries. Mm-hmm. And what's that like? how do you do it? Because well, you're not just like you don't have, do you have a catalog?
3: No, I mean, we're, we're in, the, in the process of you know putting together a web page and all that fancy stuff. but at the end of the day, I mean it comes down to the relationships that you develop with, with the breweries and understanding what, what products are going to fit in their, in their wheelhouse. Um, once yeah, but then, how
2: do you do it? Yeah. So, like, are you calling people? Oh, or it's,
3: it's it's for me, it's door to door. Yeah. Um, I'm not one for you know just a phone call. Um, so we're I'm driving all over New York State, you know, talking with people and understanding their product lines and uh, and how our products can help them, you know, in the end, sell more more beer.
2: All right. Hey, Andrea, how are you? Good. How are you, Jimmy? It's it's great to talk to you. We we've been talking so much about malt this year. And uh, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, no problem.
2: All right. So uh, tell us about your experience with, this year with the, the Smash beers and the other beers for uh, New York City Beer Week and New York City Brewer's Choice. I know you worked a lot with Kelly Taylor from uh, Kelso and New York City Brewer's Guild. Yeah.
1: Um, so wait, the question was, tell you tell you a little bit about it?
2: Yeah, because it, it, it was a big jump this year, right? You had to provide a lot of malt from New York ah. State.
1: Yeah, that was really fun because Kelly, you know, we reached out uh, earlier in the fall and asked what kind of grains that we might have available that we could highlight at the um, Brewer's Choice. And so I, you know, was able to send a list of, you know, where the grain, the farms that the grain came from, the type of grain, and then um, come up with, you know, maybe a list of around, I think, 10 or 11 malts that we could make and then... The Guild selected four out of those, and those were the four that we focused on for the Brewers' Choice event. So it was really fun.
2: Great. Well, it's and nice I, having you. On. We got. I
1: remember uh, I had a lot of fun tasting them, too.
2: Yeah, that <laughs> <day>. <laughs> yeah Chris Sheehan from, from Gun Hill Brewing in the Bronx here. We just tasted his smash beer that he made.
4: Right. It was uh, Ruby Rye. He uh, uh, used a fair amount of the Danko. Uh, amber rye as well as the you know, half of the pale malts were Vienna malts, so it has a really nice deep ruby red color and it came out with a really nice malty profile. I'm very pleased with how the grains perform for me. Awesome.
2: All right. You sound like you're really busy, Andrew, but just just tell us I like, kind of just recap for you, like what what it's been like the last year, you know, what what you guys are doing with your malt facility. Type, type type of type uh, of breweries that you're selling to?
1: Have Alley Malt? Yeah. So yeah, we just got um, our roaster up and running, which is pretty exciting. That was uh, about two weeks ago that we finally got that project uh, off the ground. It's been you know, kind of a gear a of jumping through hoops. And so now we're making a lot of roasted specialty malts, um, like the Danko, amber rye and some chocolate rye. Um, I was just playing around this past week. I've been interested in making naturally acidulated rye mm. and um, playing around with then doing some additional roasting to it. So it's kind of got a dark chocolate character, but then sort of a tangy acidulated flavor kind of in the back of your mouth. So I'm kind of just experimenting. Chris and I both are experimenting with the roaster. We're having a lot of fun with it. And, um, We bought a program to be able to, like coffee roasters have, where once you find your profile of what you like to do for a particular type of malt, then you can kind of follow this computer program, and each time that you're making that roast, you can hit your temperatures that you want. It's it's definitely given us more creativity, and we're excited about that.
2: And what are some of the breweries that, that you're selling regularly to?
1: Um, Well, we've been shipping a lot to Brooklyn Brewery lately. Um, The Green Market Wheat that they came out with uh, almost two years ago now has been doing really well as a year-round beer. So we're shipping them a lot of um, malt. And um, working with Kelly Taylor on an exciting project with Don Lewis from uh, Wild Hive Green Project, trying to do more with um, some New York State, Uh, both the barley, but then also some of the ancient grains. Um, You know, June Russell through the Green Market Project has done a lot with the ancient grains, and so we're trying to get those um, into some beers at at Kelso. So that's kind of exciting. And then, yeah, just working with a lot of, you know, of the new farm breweries. Um, I mean, Good Nature has been around for a while, and they're fantastic, but uh, we've got Green Wolf and... um, um, a lot of you know rare form and argyle brewing. Um, so a lot of a lot of the farm breweries too are, are looking to you know obviously for the New York State malts comply with their license.
2: That's great, Andrew. We also have Adamo from Pioneer Malting up in Rochester here with us.
3: How are you? Hey, good. How are you? Yeah. Not too bad. Do
2: you guys know each other?
3: Not. Uh, we've never met in person, but I know I know Andrea via email.
1: Yeah, so, we know each other. And I know Adam,
3: right? And yes. is Adam one of your partners? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, no. Uh yeah, I'm Adam and then uh, my partner would be Paul and uh, we have another mutual partner Andy. Okay. Yeah. Uh question for you. What sure. what what's your experience been with the the farm brewery license and um what's the feedback that you've uh, been receiving from breweries from that actually have that license solely?
1: Um I mean, feedback is mostly that they need more Mm -hmm. malt, and it's just hard to meet that need right now. Um, But more recently, I think the feedback, which I think is great, is that they're looking for more information from us. You know, they're looking for um, malt analysis, and, um, you know, they want to know more about the barley and the different grains that they're using. So it's great because it kind of opens up a whole new conversation and, um, you know, really uh, makes sure that, um, that, you know, they're not just getting a local New York State product, but that they're also getting something that, you know, they know has the quality that they need for for brewing with. So, so that's been a great conversation lately to have, and so we've started to, you know, put malt analysis sheets with our... Um, out with orders and um you know it's good it's kind of one of those conversations that eventually had to happen
3: sure yeah.
2: great thanks Andrew. and then C- christian's here from gunno chris is that, is that an issue for you is is, is you want analysis is it quality well, of the yeah, product yeah well
4: quality is uh, something that has held me back a little bit initially first of all you know from our perspective being an upstart business. Uh, you know for me, it was really important to hit the gates with quality out front, and i wasn't going wasn't really willing to go into experimentation with uh malts that I had no familiarity with and so uh you know, I kind of held back uh when we first started out as far as uh you know the New York malts are concerned. Um, we did work with some New York cops, but uh, you know, now that we're established, we have a good rhythm, and it also really helped this whole experience. Uh, even doing this smash beer, the Valley malts were very impressive. Additionally, uh, I did actually get a 10-pound sample of malt from uh, Flower City Malting, also in the Rochester area. Mm-hmm. And um, I had... Uh, one of our bartenders at uh, Gun Hill is a uh, home brewer, and I had him brew a batch of beer with that, and it came out really nice. It's got a really nice malt character. I told him, and all he did is put just a little bit of bittering malt in there, I mean, a bittering hops, but no hop character at all. It's just about showing the malts. The beer came out really nice. So I'm very optimistic and feel very confident working with the New York malts, and I'm definitely going to be ordering more and incorporating it into everything that I'm doing. I definitely plan on working much more aggressively uh, with uh, incorporating it, even if I just – I'm throwing a few sacks into some of my regular beers because I don't want to really augment or change them too much. I want to kind of keep them as they are. But I definitely am going to be doing more seasonal specialties that will be made exclusively with well, the that, malt. Well,
2: their red value made with the, the Valley Malt was, was really great, Chris. Hey, guys, this is awesome. Andrea, thanks for coming on. we are taking a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.
5: Okay. So-
2: back to Beer Sessions Radio. That was the coolest little riff, Jack. Thank you. I really like the music that you're playing on Heritage Radio Network. We've got a great show here. We're talking about malt, New York State malt. Uh, Chris Sheehan, brewer from Gun Hill. Chris Baller from Mile End. I want to say The Mile End. And uh, Adam, who's from uh, Pioneer Malting, one of the new malt shows upstate. So, Adam, you, you, you made a beer. You, you sent uh, malt to Transmitter, which is in Long Island City, and we're drinking that beer now. So you, you and Chris tell us about this beer because it's pretty good. It's like sure, a
3: it's um let me see here it's like a wheat
2: saison or something. Or?
3: It's a um, an oat uh which is essentially our um, our pale two row base malt and our malted oat product,
5: and uh, and some New York State hops. Really tasty. It's you nice. know Chris,
2: so Chris, Bell at Milan, um, so you, you don't have draft but you have bottles.
5: Yes. So transmitter's actually been amazing. Because uh, we have limitations in that we just couldn't install a draft system without just messing everything up. But, uh, but you know, these new breweries that are bottling, it's like a new excellent trend locally. Um, it's, you know, been a real, it's just been amazing because we can serve local beer. Um, and especially from Transmitter, you know, dealing with this style, they basically everything they do is a farmhouse, Saison, rustic sort of thing. Bottle condition and all that. So, I mean, their beers taste best in bottles. And so, this is, I'm mean, right up there. And it's nice to taste it again. I had this at Brewer's Choice. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I love the. D-
2: d- describe the flavor profile.
5: I mean, so it's a little little zingy, tart, lemony aspect too, like from, I assume, yeast and, and hops. But, uh, but that great kind of biscuity character of the two row. Um, that, that pale two-row barley and uh, the oats, you know, oats are, like, long since used for a kind of a creamy mouthfeel, mm-hmm. head retention, all that. And so you definitely get that as well. Um, I would
4: also uh, like to point out the very pale color. Ex- extremely
5: it. pale. Yeah, yeah and, um, and w-
3: what we did for Anthony on this one is we, we um, you know, again, this is where I was going with the Malta order. System is he was looking for something very pale, very lightly
4: right. Uh, roasted. Right, roasted. You
3: achieved it. <laughs> oh yeah. Now this is yeah. It, it really, so you, you the, catch those grassy undertones. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but it still has a nice sweet malty taste to it.
5: Yeah. I mean, Grisette was. You know, it's that's sort of like a. Not. I mean, you don't see that style really. I mean, it wasn't really much of a style to begin with. I feel like in Belgium, I mean, the history of it is. Mysterious, but it's supposed to be like yeah. What is grisette? I mean, it's so it's grisette. It's like it means like little gray, so to speak, in, in French. Uh, but it was a beer, possibly served to coal miners in Wallonia in like you know the 18th century. But it, I guess it was it was another table beer, but a regional style um, and probably very low in alcohol, like all those things were uh, and probably very hazy probably brewed with barley that didn't that wasn't kiln very much you know yep. so i mean that's this color is extremely accurate i feel like but anthony's like i mean he's he's amazing and that he's such an obsessive with with everything but i feel like he's a transmitter i, yeah. I, I love rapping with him on on history and i feel like he he kind of nailed it for that in a way that some you know people like brewing a style that sounds different just because it's you know Nobody knows what it is, but I feel like this is a real tribute to that. But. Let's
2: jump from there. So this is like a lightly kilned barley. Yeah. But what's the difference between, I've heard in some wheat beers, they're using unmalted wheat. So what's what's how do you make a beer that with unmalted wheat?
4: Well, uh, for one thing, uh, unmalted wheat, uh, wheat is a very high protein grain to begin with. And uh, one of the benefits of malting is that it kind of breaks down the proteins a little bit, it also as well. You know, in the malting process, as you know, Chris, uh, it also uh, not only is breaking down the starches but also breaking down the proteins. Um, but there are many uh, traditional Belgian ales that are made using unmalted wheat, and it—I uh, think it's just uh, it, it imparts a very distinctive. Uh, um uh, how shall i say uh astringency is what typically comes from uh using these unmalted wheats yeah michael jackson would say quenching yeah
5: <laughs> <laughs> that's i mean cuz it's you know you'd right. use it in a you know lambic and all that but right.
2: because i mean this grisette, it's so it, it almost tastes like there's wheat in there and that, that that partly because of it's so lightly kilned yeah
5: yeah exactly
2: and what, what? Tell us, tell us more. This is fun. So you're, you're really you are doing specialty malts.
3: We are absolutely.
2: Is, and is there another beer? Tell us about this next beer you brought. So obviously there's something special about this beer because you brought it.
3: This one's outstanding. This is uh, brewed by uh, Dan Western up at Lostboro Brewing Company right in Rochester, New York. Uh, this is a a, a smash, with uh, which features uh, our malt, which is seventy five percent. Uh, of our so base. this
2: smash term has really caught on now in yeah, New York yeah. State. It's the state malt and state hot beers. It is. People are doing them.
3: They're doing them, and they're. Well, doing cheers it.
2: to you guys! That's a huge accomplishment in only one year. that's, you know? so
3: that's exactly my point. You guys it's, are. Uh, you know, there's a big uh, you know a learning curve that that's uh, taking place, and we're we're pushing through it pretty quickly. Um, this one features seventy five percent base malt um, or pale malt, and then a lightly roasted malt and. <clears throat> And then it's a hundred percent of a local hop grower who's right down the road from from where we are, so it's. Uh...
2: So that's Christian. So Chris, so for uh, a facility that that Adam's talking about, Pioneer, um, what size batches can you make using his product?
4: I mean, is it on, wh- thirty barrel? Thirty barrel. Yep. Yeah. Uh, one pallet of malt would make me a big beer on a thirty barrel system. And as, you, as you're talking it to him, are
2: there a certain malts you're thinking of buying, or do you, do you have to? Uh,
4: I would have to have a, try a, at a time. more extended conversation with Chris regarding these things.
2: Yeah, but like you said, you might do something like with a home absolutely, brewer you might yeah. brew a small batch of it. And,
4: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh I have all sorts of different ideas that I plan on working uh, down the road for different seasonals and specialties.
2: That ruby red was great. Are you going to make that again? Uh,
4: would it I be don't for know. sale? I'm kind of <laughs> well, probably not. That was actually only a 13 barrel batch in my 30 barrel system. Um, just because I could only get so much of the malt to uh, make that thing happen, so I uh, I was prepared to make more. I was planning on a 15 barrel batch, but. Uh, There were some kind of logistical complications as far as acquiring the, you know, as far as me getting all the malts that I was uh, looking for. In any case, it's a long story, but I uh, was able to work with what I got and uh, uh, was able to put that out. You know, basically, uh, my original concept, what I was targeting was uh, uh, rye wine. I was initially planning on having a lot more hmm. grain, and I was going to do a rye wine. But because I had a lot less grain, I wound up just kind of. I, I like <laughs> what you made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: just so you know.
4: Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where you know sometimes you just uh, you you have a, a vision of what you want to do, and then you wind up with what you get, and you just kind of make do with what you got. That,
2: that was a great you one, know, man. Yeah. That was great. And then one thing I love about this show is that there's always a brewery I've never heard of. So this is what? Lost Borough? Lost Borough. Rochester, New York. Yeah. Yep. And then tell us about what, what grains went into this beer again because again, I'm the, liking it. It's, it's good.
3: A, it's a good, very good beer. It's um, 75% of our, our base pale malt and then 25% of a uh, roasted malt. Uh, Roasted, toasted malt is actually what you would refer to it Mm -hmm. as. And it features a locally grown Chinook hop. So the Chinook hop is used for all three phases of the brewing process. Yeah, the Chinooks
4: show nicely in it. It's got really nice hop character.
3: Yeah, Yeah. and he he did a very nice job with it.
4: Yeah,
5: Chris from Myland. I keep wanting to say something else. Chris Ball, what do you think of this beer? I like it. Me too. I mean, I think I, I like how we keep going back to how... These state grains are of a certain quality, and the hops maybe less so. And that's, I feel like that's definitely
4: my feeling on it.
5: And I and I'm yeah, just I yeah, so, I know
4: I'm not the only one who says that. I've heard other brewers. No,
5: I mean, it, yeah. but I I think that's just natural. But I mean, I I don't yeah. I know a little bit about the history of New York State and growing, you know, both hops and and grain. But I feel like. You know, the beers that were made, you know, 100 years ago, 150 years ago were like extremely simple and probably had an English style hop, you know, that could withstand this environment. You know, it's it's so different from the Pacific Northwest. So I feel like people growing these hops, you know, not to move the conversation to hops, but, you know, I feel like it's sort of a dead end to try to replicate the quality of hops that are found in the Pacific Northwest. Right.
4: Uh, From my experience of growing hops, though, I will say... Actually, the English hops are the ones that don't do well. Oh, at all. really? They okay. Are, they appear to be that's very. My, that's deceasors. my ignorance, but yeah, yeah. Uh, from, uh, I've grown fuggles, and uh, I've seen other places where they're growing nuggets, and they don't thrive very well. They uh, are very susceptible to blight, and okay. s- seem to uh, not thrive. Cascades, Chinooks, all okay. the American varieties—I yeah. mean, the American bred varieties—do seem to thrive and succeed. They grow really well, but the character that yeah. is shown with the mature product is uh, uh, very different from what you get from the Pacific Northwest. Right. Some people refer to it as a terroir, is a, a different uh, absolutely. Character I mean, going on there, but then again, here we are. We're supposed to be talking about malt, <laughs> but
5: yeah, I mean, like, to, but with malt, you know, New York State grains. I, I just, I'm so curious, and I really want to learn more about the history of growing barley in New York. And that's a good you know, question.
2: I mean, I know Adam, you sat on the the, the governor's council mm-hmm. working group. W- what are the, what are what is the current thoughts about growing barley and other grains in New York State?
3: <clears throat> well, I think one, it can be done. Uh, We can grow some really good grains in New York State. Um,
4: The Genesee Brewery used to have a malting facility of its own.
3: Absolutely, right in Rochester. And uh, I think it's important to understand that, you know, like I said, it's only for for us, it's uh, year two or year three of our growing process. Um, But we can grow two-row barley here. We can grow six-row barley here. Uh, I think we all know that. Um, it 's really it comes down to our farmers understanding their soil conditions, understanding um, the positioning of the field and uh, it's to be honest with you it 's a little bit less about the variety of barley as it is truly understanding your soil conditions and understanding how to harvest the the grain itself uh, we 're not you know we don 't have the luxury of having the ideal climate dry cold climate that they have in in, uh, in Canada. So a lot of times these these farmers have to go through um, some pretty extensive processes. They have to pick the barley a lot of times with too much moisture in it, and then it has to be dried uh, separately. Uh, so And then there's this, the storage issues in order to maintain the barley and store it for an extended period of time so that it does maintain its germination quality. Uh, it's It's a task, but what we're showing is that we can do it.
4: Yeah. And well, Mother Nature is always the ultimate <laughs> decider. Yeah. That's, it is you're at and the mercy it, mercy of uh, the winds. Absolutely.
3: So and So for us, it's a more of a diverse, diversification thing. So we need right. to make sure that we have our farmers strategically placed throughout New York State, so that if Western New York State gets wiped out, you know maybe we've got another farmer in another location who right. who is able to succeed in growing his crop.
4: Yep.
3: So
2: all right, guys, let's wrap it up, Chris. Uh, just sum it up, what your thoughts are about New York State malts right now.
4: Can right now, I'm really impressed and looking forward to incorporating more New York malts in all of my products as I go forward from this point. I mean, we just celebrated our year anniversary. So, uh, for the first year, I kind of held back a little because I just wanted to make sure we establish ourselves and, uh, you know, get a name out there. And we've been successful in and doing so. you went so. to
2: GABF. You won a prize won for won your boy Lights, Foreign Stout. Yep.
4: Yep. And so, you know, things are going swimmingly well. And at this point, I'm prepared to take that next step. That's great. And Chris
2: over at the Mile End. Mm-hmm. What's screwing me up with that name? Yeah, that's all right. It's the word. Because I, 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 I'm thinking smoked brisket. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, you, you, Montreal style, some do. of the best meat in New York City. It's delicious. Mile End Deli. I love it. Yeah. That's why it's, it's always funny whenever I see. I never think about talking about beer with you.
5: Yeah. Well. Yeah. You know. I have a. I have a very unique job, I guess. But. Uh, but yeah, uh, just to talk about. I don't know. I'm very excited about this trend of using. <laughs> I think Brooklyn. we're gonna go
2: there after this. We're gonna go and have some Do it, uh, smoked man.
5: meats. Yeah. Do it. I'll let them know. And what are the locations of uh, Mile End right now? We're we're in Boreham Hill, at, Brooklyn. Yeah, Borough Hill, Brooklyn, at, uh, Hoyt Street and Atlantic Avenue, and then we're in Manhattan on Bond Street between Bowery and Lafayette. Um, yeah, and I do the beers at both locations, so you can eat delicious smoked cured brisket and drink something cool.
2: And you brought some stuff that we didn't get to try. Yeah,
5: but we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, I brought a couple of classic, you know, I brought the Schlenkerla Fasten beer, which is their Lenten so That's lop, a smoke, smoke malt. Lager. Yeah, a little blend of, I don't know, I was just thinking malt, and I'm so into this beer right now, and then an old bottle of Harvey's Christmas Sale, which is a... English stock L, like one of my favorite styles for malt. So. You
4: know, How about you, you Chris? Are you going to be smoking any malt?
5: <laughs> we are. We're building
3: cool. a smoker as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: one thing for me, like I said, when, when it's hops, people have a lot to say, but it, it, every time we do a malt show, I think we're getting better at it. But like I said, I put it on fo- Facebook yesterday. I asked people for, and I don't know if it made sense, an iconic malt profile beer. And I guess we've tried some of them, you know, like a Martin beer or even a smoked beer.
4: A, well, Doppelbach, a be Doppelbach. A Doppelbach? Yeah.
2: And what about for you, Adam? We have another
3: local brewer in right in Rochester that just opened up uh, Swiftwater Brewing Company, who does an old ale with uh, New York State grains, and it is
4: old, it, all old the, ales, Scotch ales. Is all the malt
2: you could ever want
4: yep, in a beer, you, you,
3: you'll get it in an old ale. So yep. uh, nice, very nicely done uh, by Swiftwater. Right, well. And thanks
2: for bringing in the beers. And, and so this is the Lost Borough,
3: the Lost Borough Brewing from company.
2: Rochester. That's that's a great one. I'm yep, really enjoying this one too. So everybody, thanks for coming on the show tonight. Um, we had a great one. With Thanks to our uh, sponsor, Union Beer Distributors. And um, we've got a lot going on in New York City coming up. And stay tuned. Uh, I'm Jimmy Carboni of Beer Sessions Radio. It's Tuesday, March 24th. Thanks so much. And thanks to our producers, Maggie Side and Justin Kennedy, and our engineer, uh, Jack Kinsey. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. All right. Woo. Thanks.
0: Woo. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.